Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Jamarco, remember you were going to, you originally for this podcast were going to read a book. You were going to read oh. a book. So my, my, my original premise, one of the ideas I had for podcast was I'd read a book before every episode, which... Which is you insane. did that for it today. It was during COVID. It was yeah. during COVID where you'd be like, you'd be like, I have time to read books. Yeah, whole book. And yeah. and this is the first time. This is, I mean, it really is the most research I've ever done for an episode. Oh, given that so I've honored read the whole book, and we'll get to it in a second. I got things. I got things. First, I got. I got to welcome to the downside. This is Drew Marcus Arezzi. <laughs> I'm here with my co-host Russell Daniels. Russell, hi. And uh, we're joined today by a, a comedy critic, writer Jesse David Fox. Hello. Uh, we, uh, my mom had a correction for for another oh. one recently. Uh, so, uh, get this newsflash: my mom, her fake tits were not paid for by my dad. Okay. <laughs> so we had a we had a long conversation. A long conversation. Uh, a long longer than my mom's fake tits. <laughs> uh, about about my dad has has purchased. Uh, well, my mom said. My mom said. Oh, if your dad had paid for these, they would have been much bigger. <laughs> and I said, okay, great, great, great. <laughs> I thought you were going to say better. Like, she's just like, oh, well, a I also, cheap guy. When he said that, I did hear better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he she got a discount. his preference. <laughs> yes. Got it. Uh, it's funny, because I thought, my, my dad always says he's a legs guy. Yeah. I'm sure if he could pay for that leg surgery, he'd do it. But so, <laughs> what my mom said is that my, my dad did pay for for. Basically, he, she said every woman my dad dated at some point they would just sp they spring up with new big double D's. Okay. One day I'll ask my dad how much. I want to ask him how much did you pay for my voice lessons compared to mm. fake tits for your <laughs> girlfriends. And let's let's compare. Um, uh, my mom said she got it after she didn't specify any part that I wasn't allowed to say, but she called it correct. She got it after my third. Uh, my second sister was born. Okay. So she called it a, uh, it's like a, a baby, what she called it, a mommy makeover. Mm, I guess it. I don't know if people still use that term, but yeah. after a certain number of kids. And so she got them done. And uh, and then she said something about my, <laughs> something about my stepdad. Where like, he was like, ah, you don't have to get him done. I'm not really a, bo a boobs guy. But And then she said, but when I got him done, he got a lot more touchy-feely. <laughs> guys, most guys are more boobs guys than you think. <laughs> and I was like, great, that's good to know. And by because my mom's short, power reasoning, that means my stepdad is a butt guy. Oh. So that's good to know. Good to know for my sisters listening, too. Your father is a butt guy. And uh, the reason this came up was because sure. at some point my, my little sister... Uh, she was growing up, and she told my mom, "Oh, I'm, I'm not. I know I'm going to develop later and look mm -hmm. like you." And my mom had to explain to her, no. "Oh, no, sweetheart. No, no, no. You're going to have to pay for these." Yeah, boys. much later. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be a a nu nuisance. I've known a lot of people who got breast reduction. Yeah. In in my life, it's got to be tough. Yeah. Um, having boobs. Period. It's a fine balance. Need boobs. Too. I Toby Toby doesn't complain about her boobs too much. I have a joke where in the joke she has small boobs. For, it's for a, a bit, uh -huh. and then I—that's I, I, the one joke she makes me correct. She says that you have no. to say on stage <laughs> after that that I have big tits. I'm like, okay, I'll give you that one. Um, uh, 
well, we're we're gonna talk so much comedy. I I I sorry. I have I've had a so my father not very comedically inclined. He likes Naked Gun. All of them. All all of them. Like all three. Likes, the first one's good. Yeah, I don't think I, he could tell I, the difference. Yeah, and the first one I saw was the last one because I was a kid when it came out. So in my head, that's that one's good because I saw it when I was a kid. Yeah, there is that Simpsons level. In it. That's funny. There's that level of comedy. Like he should watch all the murders in the building. Like that level still exists. Yeah. That Steve. I know Naked Guns not Steve Martin, but it might as well be. I mean, it's the same. Like it's like funny, yeah. goofy, yeah. slapsticky. But he's. This is why my dad like can't. He. I did some bad joke on. I was doing morning news for a spot. It was over Zoom, and I couldn't see the other guy, so I was just talking to a void while I was on camera. Nightmare. Yeah. And at some point, I tried throwing in a joke. He was very professional, and I said something about like, "Oh, yeah, come see a show." He's like, "How are you liking Chicago?" Oh, a woman came last night. She said, "Not only was it her first comedy show, it was also her last." He laughed, and I go, "She had cancer." And then he just kind of froze. And then they oh, said, no. "All right, join." So my dad heard this. And he calls me and he says, I saw you on the news talking about a, some woman who had, who had cancer. And I said, oh, no, it was just a, it was just a joke. And he said, mm -hmm. do you know anyone who has cancer? I was like, I was like, and I tried joking again. I said, I said, well, the woman from the joke, but she's yeah. dead now. And he, he said, what? And I said, never mind. <laughs> and then he said, oh, and then he started listing every People person he knows with cancer and what stage it is and how devastating it's been to their life and it's that kind of brokenness that you can't make that laugh that is a steve martin quote that is also sometimes attributed to stephen colbert which is when you're younger you make a lot of jokes about cancer and then you start having friends that have cancer and you stop which is interesting you that you it's like he knew he's like he's paraphrasing that steve martin thing knowing you would bring up steve martin as example sure like i that is an interest. Uh, people say that. My yeah. dad's always said that with, you know, I certainly have a, a, a number of pedophile jokes. And I think for him, he like, it's almost as if he visualizes it. A lot of my jokes, are, are some of them, are really much uh, wordplay yeah. twists. It's the twist of the expectation. And if you're someone who like visualizes it, of course, yeah. you're going to feel like, ugh. <clears throat> But I don't know. I, I don't know. How, what, what do you do? You think that's? Do you think that's? As you'll get older, as you've gotten older, do you think there's certain things that you're like, oh, we don't need to I, joke about that. Um, no. Usually, when I feel that way, I'm. <clears throat> it's. I'm. No. It's more about me in the moment than than the actual joke. You know, it's like I'm being sensitive to something right now. Not all time. All, not all the time. But in general, when if I if I were to hear like a random cancer, like a normal a normal cancer joke, I think sure. and and I was dealing with it in my life at the moment and it would bothered me, I think my instinct would be to to shy away from it in the moment, but I would know that that's just bothering me because it relates to me right now. Sure. Not that it's the problem with the joke is how I kind of feel. Let me ask you, since this is the downside sure. and you wrote about your brother in the book, mm -hmm. how do you feel about suicide jokes? Well, he didn't die of suicide. But oh, I th oh, forgive me. Okay. Oh my God, I misread that part. He died, of, he died of a drug overdose. But, oh, uh, forgive no, me. It's okay. God, I feel like a jacket. And how do you feel about <laughs> drug overdose jokes? I think my stand... I have a high... St I was thinking about this while you were saying because I was like... Um, I have a high standard for jokes regardless, right? And jokes uh -huh. on sensitive subjects especially because it's like the juice worth the squeeze is how I think of it, which is like, is it worth... Is the sort of 
energy that you're putting into it by talking about a subject that's sensitive, is it worth whatever the punchline is and or whatever relief you're giving those people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, would my standard be, like, I don't know. I have to, it hasn't happened yet. No one's made a joke in that area. Then I was like, oh, no, I'm sensitive, so I can't laugh the same way. But I think I was probably, I don't want to make it seem like I'm overly sensitive because I'm almost not that. I'm also like, I'm mostly like, okay, what is the math of this joke? And is it fine? Like, sure. Because, or, but, but if it's like, you know, Taylor Thompson has jokes about her mom dying of cancer and my mom passed away of cancer when I was younger. And I was, and I like those jokes. I feel like I relate to those jokes. I think my relief for a person who does joke in that area from the position of, experiencing the same thing as as i do my reaction i think is larger i think i I experienced that but i don't think i yeah i don't know i think maybe i think if anything you know what i think i would be more resentful of the comedian if they do a bad joke about the area yeah i wouldn't be like i wouldn't clutch any i I don't do that but i I, would be like or if the joke i think it's more like when it's easy and it's not that insightful and not that funny yeah you could then like the one i did on the news which was deep and meaningful but do you know what i mean it was flipping it It wasn't it wasn't an attempt at that like that joke was that joke to me sounds so joke like and so that i would not invest into that enough yeah exactly 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 my dad will invest so yeah, quickly. You wouldn't put well, but that's also like that's why I'd say he's mentally ill or so mentally, or so much of an open wound yeah. that like it's just ready for an infection yeah. to take place. It's I just, just like, a big yeah. like like he we I tried to get him to watch The Sopranos. Yeah, because I'm like I'm like and and the the pilot episode is him trying to figure out a home for his mom. Yeah, and my dad's like. I can't watch this, and I'm like, I think you'd be, I think you'd be better if you just tried to like He's think like, just and tell feel. me that they get along. At Instead, some point. what does just... he want to do? He wants to talk about other people's cancers. What does he do for a living? Okay, my, he, my, 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 he is no, no, no. It's fine. I mean, God, I. Uh, it's just sort of like he, this is a fascinating person to me, and I'm like, because he's that, he's fascinating. He's very frustrating. Very frustrating. I like being. hearing how different people process art right because people's brains are so different like i can't visualize almost anything so like mm. when i hear jokes i don't in, i do the exact opposite your dad does like because i don't have i literally when i close my eyes i can't picture anything so it's just like oh cool word people are saying words sure first of all i think so there's like a, is he a painter no 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 <laughs> well first of all let me just say there is a sense with like the kind of jokes that i like which which i would put in the jesselneckian camp or the uh you know how far back could we go with those one-liners anything too twisty his brain cannot comprehend yeah, it yeah. quick enough to get it. He's confused. Got it. And uh, then you explain it. And he goes, "I don't. That's not funny, though." <laughs> uh, I, he he he's he runs like a scrap metal recycling company that also does highway construction. Very complex stuff. Where you go, really? You you can get that, but you can't get this joke. Uh, and workaholic, 10, 20 different websites, copywritten, yeah, yeah. two of them function, was going to be in the marijuana selling industry, scrap metal recycling, a building. During COVID, he helped like clean you know, all, these, all these companies. Have you ever tried to print out your jokes and have them read them? Mm. Sure. I, I, I could try it. Because it's possible he's just not an auditory person. Well, let me, I'll add on to that. His hearing is not great either and will not, will not get hearing aids yeah we had i i i've done everything i could will not do it will not do it yeah because it's it's possible that 
this the timing of your joke it actually enters his brain at different timing because he hears it slightly less so it takes his brain an an extra point one seconds to be like oh the word he just said was <clears throat> cancer i i and that alone changes the timing of the joke but maybe if he reads it you'd be like okay so there's this one other show Oh, that's not something that less. Well, now, oh. next time I have a joke bomb on stage, I'm going to be like, all right, can Read we get it. the printers? Turn up the Clearly, this audience is not auditory humorists. How important is it for you that your dad thinks you're funny? Not important at all. Okay. It's not important at all. It's just like that's – our conversations are really uh, rough and, uh-huh. and lack uh, substance and details. And yeah. for him, they repeat um, – Kind of like he he goes down these like if if I bring up his father who I never met yeah he'll he goes kind of like a point for point oh my father he was he was a he was a horrible man mm. he he cheated on uh, your grandmother and he'll he'll say like a, almost like a little speech yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and where it's kind of like broken and I'm like well give me a detail tell me about one woman he fucked you tell me one specific story that we can expand on yeah. but instead it's this and and I it's like the script of of, of the of who his father was in, yeah in his yeah to him and I don't know if it's because if he talks more it'll get too much I don't know if his like memory's yeah, yeah, not yeah. fully there but I get bored I get so bo- yeah. I'm like I'm like going nuts and it's also he's like so depressed so depressed so every Every conversation. I mean, that cancer thing had happened before. I looked at the phone before it hit one minute. Before it hit one minute of the phone call, we he was listed two people that were dying of cancer, and I'm like, that I can't do this. Yeah. And then just hop up at the cellar. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. Other than the depressed part, I was like, this is a fascinating subject. Like his to have a like boring sort of rote story about his life that's like so dramatically told. I'm like. You got that's like do a show where you're just like punching up his stories. I mean, that's that's, that's like a lot of my stand up. I mean, like it is all do like crowd work with your dad for the audience later. Yeah, <laughs> and he's a yeah, he's he's a huge part of my yeah. my stand up. I, 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 you know, he had some hard stuff. Yeah. I have a big chunk about his uh quintuple bypass, yeah, and. I think there's there's been certain moments where I go like, fuck, man, I've written too much about my father. That I have the thought of whenever he passes away, mm-hmm. that I know I will have, that any comedian, any artist, if they're being honest with anyone, will say, like, there is a thought of, like, oh, fuck, I, like, I built my mm. my thing around you being alive and being frustrating yeah. and being in this moment. It's tough, man. But, like, I mean, there's so much potential there. Like, look at Maria, right? Maria Bamford sure. has an act where... There's a lot of things going on, but a lot of it was talking about her mother <clears throat> and a little bit her father and her sister. And like, I, I made a write about it in the book when her mother passes away. It's like a great character in literature passes away or whatever because she was so embodied in her performance. Mm-hmm. So sure. then she had to work on it, but then she figured out how to tell her audience about how her mother passes away while still. And even now, she does like, you know, she's always doing something. But like, I feel like they are. She does Zoom shows or something where she does just her mother. And she'll just like do the character of her mother, just add the entire show, like answering questions or something like that. Even if I do just my father, and it's just it's an hour long Zoom where I list people who are problematic too. Oh, it would be very problematic. I'd be like, let me tell you the Halloween costume I did when I was six years old. I'd be like, okay, no more, no more. Yeah. (laughs) Or uh, when I interviewed Lil Rel, he he used to do an impression of his mother 
that was very loving. And then after she passed away, he realized he can't do it anymore. It's too hard. Because when he does a character, they're there in him or whatever. You know, like some people, when they do characters on stage, some comedians truly are like, I'm not me anymore. I'm this person, right? I'm, same thing. I imagine actors. There are those actors who are like, the me that has left. I'm now my mother. And it's like, it, it's like she's on stage and I then can't do the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an interesting thing to wrestle with. This is the downside. <laughs> You're listening to The Downside. The Downside. With John Marco Cerezi. I want to apologize again. Let me, let me just say, <laughs> before you came, I literally was like, because I had read this. Yeah. I gave it to Russell. Mm-hmm. Went to avoid. Didn't see it again. I put a calendar reminder to get it back. And you can attest to this. I said... I said, I know he had a brother who died, and Russell was talking to me as I was looking for it in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh-huh. I knew it was in the later part of the book. Yes. Yeah. Um, partly because I was, I was, you know, I had, I had so many thoughts, and then I got to that. I said, okay, okay, well, he's, he's a human being. Don't be mad at this comedy critic. <laughs> but I literally, as when you rang, I was, I, and then Russell was going on and on about foreign affairs, foreign affairs, and <laughs> I, and so when, when I said it, I was like, God damn it! I swear to fuck it. So just so you know. I did read it. Yes. My memory's bad. It is bad. Like my father. Sure. And uh, I, I apologize. No, um, it's okay. I, I honestly, I've been doing some press. And like, because the ending of the book is one, the end. Two, it is, I, some people find it moving or whatever. Or just like, it's it's a lot at the end. They want to talk about it, but they're very scared to talk about the sure. end of the book. So they sort of like, talk this way about it. They'll be like, and you know, in the ending, the part, you know, the part, there's a part of the end, and maybe if you want to talk about it, you know, like, and then they're like, so they, and it's so frustrating. Because like, I think of it, I know from an artist's perspective, yeah. I'm like, he put it in the book, it's fair game. Yeah, yeah. It's only fair game. I mean, like, I put it at the end of the book because I was like, you that should be your test, by the way, for people who didn't read yeah. it. Have the brother, you should have the brother yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. So when, if you know people didn't finish, they go, so you're so your brother? What, how did, what did he think of it? Yeah, but also I put it at the end because, I was like, you need to read the whole book to deserve to learn about my life. Yes. Mm. Well, I should have said for the end of the podcast. You have to listen to the whole podcast. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of extra podcast stuff, uh, 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 join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash downside. We are now doing one bonus episode a month. We are po- posting our live episodes there. We recently posted our full episode with Kevin Allison. And uh, we have one coming up with uh, Ari Hershkowitz from the movie... Uh, uh, one of us, I think, about leaving the Hasidic community in New York, and uh, my comedy special, The Rats Are In Me, patreon.com slash downside, link in bio. Now, okay, I I, I will say, the, the one thing I've been thinking, we, we so we had, we, we did have Jason Cinnamon on the show. I've listened. I listened and, to that episode when it happened, and then again recently to prepare. Oh, yeah? It's like, uh, it's like, what's it going to be like? And then Jason and I, we got into like a Twitter argument. He did not like a tweet that I said. Mm-hmm. Recently? I said, uh, a couple months ago, but I said, fuck Jason Zinneman and the <laughs> New York Times. No, I said, uh, let me find it. I basically said, uh, hold on, let me see. Oh, my Jesus Christ. And the thing oh with my God. talking to you fucking writers is like, I like I have a thought, and then I get a, an article back, and I'm like, well... Now I got to read the article and I got to respond. And this is your profession. And you know what? It's only fair. He should have to respond to me in my medium. Sure. We should have a stand-up debate. Sure. Uh, but the tweet that he did not like said something. So many uh, back tweets. and forth. Yeah, oh my yeah, god. Yeah. 
Oh my god, because you know that I have that to. That is so long. You're gonna read all this to us? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. I was just trying to find the original tweet. It was essentially, it was essentially saying, uh, comedy critics, uh, pe- people when it w- people see stand up comedy that has no jokes. I yeah. wrote it better. Let me let me look it up. I, I phrased it really well. <laughs> uh, uh, At least I'm now prepared to know what part of it is, and then uh, so we're gonna start with the no jokes part of it, uh, okay. which is good. I'm like a. Both the most like lover of jokes and person who's like vows that stand up doesn't need as many jokes as people think it does. Well, I'm just glad. I I just think I think we can have like obviously the, this kind of conversation is hindered by the fact that I'm in this profession. Yeah. And like, there's so many opinions that I cannot share publicly. Mm-hmm. That that you know because like one, this comedian's like this and they're bad. Yes. Got it. And and a lot of it is this is this is bad. This person is, or, or this person is, exp- it's not good. I care about the art, sure. uh, the craft of, of the art form that I've literally dedicated my life to. Sure. And so there's a lot of people that are lauded or not that, that I would go, that's like bad. I think this hype is false. I think this hype is uh, self-serving or to, to uh, uh, associate yourself with, with, and I can't do that. Sure. I can't get into specifics of that. And I'm also hindered by the fact that anyone can look at any of my opinions and go, mm, someone didn't make the vulture list this year. <laughs> and and that's that's fine. That's fine. Okay, I can't find it. Basically, it's so funny. It was, this is like, I was like, okay, what are the things I can imagine him bringing up and at what point? I'm going to Eminem it. I'm going to get all this. So I'm going like, to roast myself first. Yeah, it's like, he uh, never like, made the vulture list ever, <laughs> ever, ever. I He's not, only been booked on the vulture show once, and it was Jay Jordan. Yeah, we don't book the show. Like, I helped, yeah, but Matt sure. booked the show. So, you, no, I don't. Come back. Uh, the li- we can talk about the list when everyone talks about the list, but th- we want to talk about jokes first. Well, for example, the list, that's what I mean. It's like the list is something I can't talk about because yeah. those are literally. Peers, uh, many yeah. friends and peers. Yeah. So basically the thing that I – so what I wanted to say is that I am trying to hold myself to account because I feel like – and I've talked about it many times. We had like a psychic on. And I – this is a very skeptical podcast, mm-hmm. it, it, at least for me. Russell, you know, he'll yeah, be – I'm not a skeptical. He hears, hears a noise. Oh, it must be my great-grandmother saying hi, Russell. I'm, I'm, a, I'm on Russell's. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this thing of like – I realized with the psychic, and I don't, f- this is me joking. Mm-hmm. I realized with the psychic that there was no way for me to uh, uh, politely undermine someone's entire profession. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because to, to, to say someone's profession is is a scam. Sure. Is, you, you, there's no cute way to go about that, if you're being honest. And so sure. ultimately, uh, I capitulated, and we both, by the end, we both got readings, which to me, Looking for myself, I'm like, you failed in holding up your values. Yeah. Now I don't feel that I don't feel that same degree. Sure, good. With with comedy critics. And to be fair, when if you say comedy critics, blah blah blah, you mean me and Jason. So it's Well, that's another point. I that, for that most I, I understand there's a degree <laughs> of of when you have uh, a limited when it's not a hundred critics, yeah, yeah. Part of your uh, job, correct me if I'm wrong, is also just to hype up and highlight the existence and and wonders of comedy. Period. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, there's a few reasons, but one is I realized fairly early on that so many people like don't even know that you could take 
any comedian seriously, that part of it is just sort of like helping them understand what good can look like, right? So that's like the first goal. And then also you're like trying to bring in people who are skeptical because they only have one idea what a comedian is and they don't like that idea to be like, look, there's all these different types of comedians. I think for me also personally, like, I, d I don't write reviews. I haven't written a review in a really, really long time because I don't like writing it. It is like a form of writing that I don't like to say this is good and this is bad because, like, when I was confronted with the the job of ranking comedians or saying what good and bad is, I think I'd, I'd do a year-end specials list or I did a year-end SNL list where I consulted a colleague and they had a completely different list of 10. And I was like, this is so subjective and my experience as a person who watches 200 specials a year is so unrelatable to a person who watches two that I got in my own head that it's like I, my perspective is not useful to you. Now, that's probably incorrect. It is There's a value. But I do think what I land on, which I write about in the book, is like there are value systems that people have for what good looks like that a comedian can't, almost can't comprehend or shouldn't because if you're doing it, if you're an artist, you have to believe you're doing it the correct way to keep on doing it because it is hard to put yourself out there. And that's what we need artists to do is to say, this is what I think funny looks like. And if you don't do that, then you're failing. Our job is to not judge comedy only by one standard of what funny can look like or what stand-up could look like. And then when you zoom out enough, then you're like, there's no rules whatsoever. And that makes it more interesting to write about or like, and, but I think what happens in that zooming out, or yes, and, and po we have theater episodes, we have comedy episodes, and this is a comedy episode, folks. <laughs> I hate stand-up comedy. I don't know how you like me, but but you know, next episode. Uh, I think what happens mm -hmm. is you zoom out so much, yeah. and the rules become you know it becomes so free form that in fact it goes to the point that that one neglects great joke construction mm. and and traditionally great stand-up comedians and sometimes gets lost in the weeds of this was a totally new perspective this was this was really weird and and I sometimes look at that weird stuff and I go I think this is weird and bad and I don't and sure one could accuse me of you're just not open to these forms and right. I say I think I am open to these forms but I also think that like there's there and then suddenly you sound like a conservative yeah, person yeah, going yeah, yeah. funny yeah. is funny yeah, yeah. And, and and I would yeah. I would say that that Russell and I we we have a lot of comedic agreements and our texts are often filled with uh, do you want to name the names? Or do we, <laughs> our texts are often filled with with certain people that that get vaulted. And we go like, I I think this is a scam. I think people have been tricked. And I and I think there is a niche bubble that 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 uh, happens in the New York world or in the LA world where it's like this is cool to this very small segment. And in fact, uh, earthquake should be on more of these lists. Sure. And and. I I I sometimes see the the way that you hold you know Seinfeld and those legends up up here, and then tell me when was the last time you went to the cellar? Yeah, I don't not sure. But yeah, that's my reason, point. Yeah, yeah. My but, point is that you you and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a jackass the whole time. But no, I want to. I was expecting this. We're gonna I was get, expecting gonna the question it. also how often I go to the cellar, and it's often it's the reasons I don't, which is one I live in Brooklyn, two uh, you know I have a family and it's nighttime, and three. Too many comedians are doing things to me that are hacky, that it is annoying to watch. When was the last time you went? Uh, I don't know, a year ago or so? Sure. I think I think the, the, the lineup at the cellar is is more 
is more diverse. Sure. And and it could be the particular show that you're going to. But I but I also think like when I see the praise of the Seinfelds, of the people yeah. who literally went through this system that in my mind there's a certain degree of neglect or a certain degree of like that's that's the old thing. That's club comedy. And and yeah. While praising the big, rich fucking people who, by the way, most of them, 99%, are not making good stuff anymore. And they're held up here, but the people who are in their gyms are viewed as, like, old school or hacky. And I always said, and I've said this to Jay, and I'll say it again. I've said it on this podcast. There was an article once that that listed Jay as, like, he can, he's alt and he's club. Yeah. Jay is club. I am club. We are both club yes. comedians and my argument was your people are saying he's alt because he's a beautiful bi yes. black man and he's but he's not alt by any stretch of the imagination yes i also think i love you jay so look i love jay <laughs> i know i just like good for him that, the fucking good for him that he can get labeled it's as alt and sure. <laughs> but i do think i think one was our understanding of what alt means now is Beyond people in this room or rooms like this, there's so little alt as much as there was 10 years ago. And even what was ten, what happened 10 years – so, like, alt comedy, which was invented, let's say, in 1990, was definitely different than what was happening in clubs. And then that kept on going through, let's say – Some of that became club. I mean, Mark Maron yeah. was alt, and you could – Maron yeah, is a club comic now. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, you like, club I mean, comedy. I talked to, like, Burt Kreischer and, like, Tom Segura were doing what was alt, what was alt comedy yes. at a time, which is sort of a story and blah, blah, blah. And also, but if you look at sort of what I would say third wave alternative comedy, which was, like, the Pete Holmes generation and, like, John Mulaney and stuff like that, which is just, mm-hmm. which was really just at a time when the clubs were particularly – not letting anyone in who was not a certain thing. So then a lot of stand what we think of as like stand-ups, not all not club, they just do stand-ups, we're just doing alt rooms by default. And I do think that standard is mostly the standard that's kept up, which is alt is just the people who have not gotten into the clubs yet. Now the clubs are getting better at who they book, both in terms of just sort of both diversity of demographic but also diversity of types of stand-up they're doing like I, I think that's definitely the case and i think they probably realize that but i also think there are so few true alt people left like doing weird things like when i think of alt it's not like i do think because there was that small window where alt was defined by like the a, a movement of queer comedians that you're like oh well queer people are alt and then all straight people are sure yeah. but i don't think that's the case anymore because i do think a lot of queer comedians are doing like down the middle stand-up well, I'll also say this. I think because stand-up has become uh, so over-flooded uh, with, with people that, like, I, I will hear stories about Patrice, like, walking rooms yeah, yeah. and still getting booked. And I go, that's a different time. Yeah. If I walked a room once, twice, I might, some of these clubs, I might not work yeah, yeah, yeah. and walk a room. And alt requires, alt requires, you gotta be, you're going to be failing a lot. You're going to be failing a lot, figuring it out. Some audiences are just not going to like you. Yeah. And we live in such a competitive sphere that if you are that kind of comedian, there are 10 great comedians behind you who want to break into that yeah. room. But I think I think my 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 frust- my frustration with with again, it's like like kind of labeling the seller as easily as I think you have that you don't see for example uh, uh, Jeffrey Asmus, who is a club comic, who I'm like, this is one of the great fucking 
joke writers of our time. And instead, this person is going around the country building up this this base. And someday, later on, yeah. he'll have the special blah blah blah. But it's like he's they're there now. The 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 and sometimes I see people who aren't on these these like these lists, and I don't just mean vulture, but I mean like also these end of the year lists. Sure, where yeah. it feels like a mix of a gigantically famous people where I'm like, it feels like this was just to include the famous person. Yeah, yeah. And it feels sometimes like a uh, uh, a clutching for survival. I, I think every every news publication is... Mm-hmm. So, so you want to have... You yeah. want to share some big celebrities so that it's mentioned in the things and, and when people look up their name, they see the article. Mixed with cool kids, some of whom are very funny, and Jay Jordan is a hilarious stand-up comedian, and then sometimes somewhere I'm like, I feel like this is more about being cool yeah. than it is about being funny, and then someone goes, well, your definition of fun, and I go, okay, well, then let's just throw it all up in the air, and and there's no such thing as funny, so, so then what's the point? Sure, so there's two things. One, I think a lot of critics generally, but like I can say for me, have We've heard enough jokes that when we see a comedian who's doing jokes, we want more vision from them. Like so, so, sure. and that, and to me, joke writing is the craft of stand-up comedy, and it's a wonderful craft. But sometimes I see joke writers without vision, and I'm like, sure, you can paint a perfect picture of what a house or a flower looks like, but you're not doing anything artistically interesting for me. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, and then, however, right, but, now, and I would include when I bring up aspects, I, I, when I say. I, I don't, I, I don't mean like I'm not saying oh he just does jokes. I also think it's that. Sure. I think it's a unique. I'm happy, and I'll look into yes. it. But then, look into it. I promise. But and then and right now there also is a lot of comedians with vision without craft whatsoever, and I do think that's partly because of a breakdown because of COVID. Lots of people who had vision realize they don't even have to do stand up anymore, and they're like, oh, I can just have a TikTok account where I essentially can get my comedy out. Sure. What you don't need as much sort of like hard craft of like how I manipulate this audience. Um, so usually the sort of best people sort of mix an amount of both. And I, I, I am nervous that we, we currently don't have a system that is going to uh, create such comedians because like, you know, if I think of Maria Bamford as the best comedian alive or the greatest comedian alive, that is my mm-hmm. standard to give a sense. She had to, she was able to maintain her vision of what a comedian is while also figuring out how to translate to a larger audience than just the people who are okay in a small room or small bubble or whatever. It was a workhorse. Yeah. I mean, like, like number of shows, yeah. meeting with people. Yeah, she figured out a way to do it, right? She's like, I'm going to do for, I need to work on material. I don't want to have to go to the store because I don't like the energy. I'll just do stand up for one person at a time for three years or whatever. Yes. But also like Tig, I think Tig is incredible and Tig, but like, and she came up from a certain sort of situation. Now, I do think, I I think, one, when you're writing, you it's hard to just be like, here's the sort of text of a joke, and this is what makes it interesting or not. I, and it's hard to think of an example like this person that I've not seen. But, like, if there's more to it, there is more to it. And you can understand from my perspective why I go, like, because this is not, and again, it's, it's not just this one person. I, I could list... More, but I, but I'm let's like, talk about I'm earthquake because like, earthquake is more famous, so it's easier to be like because sure. like I love earthquake. Sure. I had earthquake in my podcast, and I was able to talk about and like I think how that goes. That intimidating. I did I did a show of his. I've talked about it before on, on SiriusXM, and I was <laughs> I was I drank at two p.m. because I was so Stressed. nervous, and that's not what I do. Yeah, he was cool. I mean, like I'm not Russell. I got <laughs> I got lucky that 
someone told people told him he should do my show uh-huh. and that like it would be worth his time. Uh-huh. So he then went into it not being defensive. Yeah. And then pretty quickly I, he realized I like re- appreciated him not just like appreciate him on a level that interviewers tend to not, which is like how I'm able to do my job in general, which is that like most comedians are doing something and they don't think anyone notices. Yeah. Why why is an earth cuz I see uh, what what year did earthquakes come out 2022 or was it the year before? Yeah, it was either two years. Why was it, or look, 20. I didn't make that list. Yeah, no, no, I'm talking specific. It, it was, it was not a vulture list. It, it was, it was a different list. But, but I just remember looking at, it and there were like, there was some just like, it was like some of the most famous comedians you're in the world. You're thinking of the New York Times list that one year. Yeah, I wasn't saying it. Oh. <laughs> but yes, oh, you're right. Talked, didn't we does, talk about it? We he didn't? doesn't have a rank list. He does like a thing of note list, right? Because he doesn't do a top. He, it's yeah. not a rank, but yeah. it was like, yeah, Here's things it, of note. Why here. was an earthquake on that list? You'd have to ask him. I think it being not an hour long is a thing that might rub people the wrong way i don't know why but it's sort of like i remember this it was just sort of a weird length and i think also it's possible the value system of the people making lists are reviewing specials they're not reviewing comedians right so they're like part of a special is like how does it look especially now because people do make specials that look like something can i also say that i i do think that some of it is this same separation of club comedy and yeah. and and alti Brooklyn comedy because especially in like like black rooms around the country yeah. I feel like that enters more the sphere of club comedy and so when club comedy gets relegated as kind of this like traditionalist thing mm-hmm. or seen as a way that oh it's all it it doesn't it's not particularly insightful or it leans on on this that or the other then suddenly you've you've uh, not just you. I just mean. I mean the oh, whole. Yeah. If anything, I think I am more anti the idea of club comedy than almost anyone I know. So it's fine to say me. Sure. So, because most people don't care about this. This is a battle that he had to fight like ten years ago. Yeah. Now people don't really care about this. Most people just go to the comedy cellar and it's fine or whatever. Or now Union Hall <laughs> books pe- mm-hmm. many more people that I would consider club comedians more so than you as a club comedian. People who I'm like, this is this person ex- would exist in only this world and their fan base would only exist in this world. But right now there's sort of a fluidity. I think it's partly because Gen Z does not have such, they they don't have the context of physical spaces the same as we do, right? And so I think there's like, yeah, they're comedians that do it and they find it what they find. I think like whatever hipster cred that I liked is that is of a different era. And I do think it's very useful to rebuild it just so we have divisions. So then- you can be like, well, they're doing this thing, which is not necessarily better or worse. It's a personal preference, and they're doing this thing. It's not better or worse, but and the audience expectations are different, and then and then it allows comedians to operate in certain situations. But I do think, like, I think there's an orthodoxy that exists in comedy clubs, especially outside of New York and LA, but especially outside of New York. I think LA clubs, I think, have, do have this problem, which is like. You're playing to an audience with a specific expectation. I like comedians have a lot of problems. One of the main ones is lack of jokes. But yeah, yeah. But the, so it's, there's it's certain... alt. It's alt. But you, it's alt. <laughs> it's the worst of it's... alt and club in one. But so it's like there's there, the comedy seller expectation, right? So it's like especially for this is the prime problem of the comedy seller, I'd say, or the the comedy seller as an ideal, which is one. It really matters if you can perform there. That's a really big deal. It helps you professionally tremendously as a com- comedian. Two. That audience can be intimidating and they and impatient more so than anything else. Then, so then it expects an audience, the comedian, to engage with that audience in a combative way. That's too far for me. Impatience is part of the art form. It's part of what you admire about Deaf Comedy Jam, beca- or or the Apollo, or or that style. And my 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 problem is that 
when when something gets labeled as this club comedy, I would argue it's also uh, uh, pushing away from from being recognized a lot of black comics, uh, an entire an entire a circuit, and it's it's and and I'm not I'm not. In that circuit, I just yeah. I just know about the intricacy of the circuit, and as a performer, I will see uh, uh, some comics that would would never be included in a Vulture or a New York Times list, and I go, this guy or woman is fucking amazing. Yes. And I will add on top of that, where I I think uh, there's also been a, a a conflation of of funny and liberalism, and I say this as as, as fucking liberal cuck as they come. That that even more isolates a certain a certain group. Like I, I'll give I'll give uh, an example, and I, I I'm gonna I want to say it delicately, but but it's something I noticed certainly. Sure. I, I worked at LOL. There was some. There were. I know it's I I know it's reputation. I'm not singing any praises. I have an episode coming out soon where we just shit all over it. But I uh, there were uh, let's say two black comics that I think are are. Really astounding. Really astounding. Now, when they're on stage, they might say the F word. Sure. They might say the F word. The F slur. The yeah. F slur. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, no, we're saying fuck here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they say fuck? <laughs> they're, That's they're, too far for me. They're saying the F slur. And and I would I would argue there's a degree where, where that alone, that alone, yeah. Would mean they're not going up at Butterboy anytime soon, yeah. or if they ever did, it would be a, <gasps> and yeah, it would yeah. be over, and and that res that which I, I think it's I, I'm certainly not advocating <laughs> for non non gay people to say the f slur, yeah. but I'm saying that uh, uh, a value system was also partially created and fostered and agreed upon in a in a certain segment of society. And thus, if you have someone in a in a different segment of society, and I don't mean this obviously of black people, I mean this of of someone who came from a different part of America, where where now they can no longer even entertain and mingle in in the lists, in the in the cause cause these lists, if they just existed as like cool, yeah, that's great. They impact people's careers, their livelihood, the agencies that want to meet with them, the just for laughs, the this, that, and the other. It's all an ecosystem. And and I would argue that that the isolation of club comedy, you you, you could make an argument that not only does it carve out a certain kind of comedian, but it also prevents an integration of comedy and could be harmful down yes yeah i yeah, mean i think i think there's a there's a few things there one the one second quick say the episode oh my god <laughs> no I, I mean i think the sort of the 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 history and separation of black comedy not meaning comedian comedy done by black people but comedy done in black rooms yeah ha has been pervasive for you know the history of comedy and yeah. and and partly not just because white people doesn't don't want it partly because there are black comedians who do not want to be exposed to being white famous right or like they just don't want to be part of that there's a lot of comedians who i've asked to interview and then they do no they don't, just don't want to deal with it right mm -hmm. and i do think they it's because they intrinsically they understand their comedy exists in a certain context and actually have no interest in translating that comedy for different rooms that is always the thing which is like you can be you can do whatever you want up into the sort of context you want to exist in, right? 
which is how, and context means the sort of language expectations or something like that. Now, if you want to exist, appeal to people who exist in a different context, then you're probably going to have to placate certain sort of expectations in that context. And a lot of comedians can do it, right? Like, um, I'm trying to think of it. There, there are black comedians that go up and down all the different rooms for whatever, right? I do agree that there is um, a media blind spot to that entire segment of comedy, partly because it does not happen in New York and LA. A lot of it happens in Atlanta, and there's not journalism covering it in the same way. I would also say it happens at the cellar. I think most... I, th I think... Most comedians that are bubbling up at the cellar, I find out about them in time, at the same way as, as anything else, which I find about them in time. Um, there are, you know, it's not like there are not black comedians that perform in what we consider alternative rooms. Of course. And not black comedians on these lists. Um, but I do understand what you're saying, which is like, I do think the, of the, many reasons the what we consider of alternative did become like a political divide more so than even a style divide which is frustrating to me because i do prefer it as a style divide more than a political divide but sure. that is just the nature of like where society mm -hmm. has gone and ultimately i think probably to a sort of bifurcation of comedy of club and alt is abandoned to like a nine zillion people, right? Like I think to a Gen Z person, they would have no idea that there's two styles of comedy because like if you don't live in New York, you'd just be like, there's nine million. I wouldn't even know there's these two styles. Yeah, yeah. I just they, follow I, these I, people I, on yeah. TikTok. And they might only think club comedy exists because for the most part, only club comedy, that's the comedy people know. That's the comedy that's displayed on TV in terms of just like what a room looks like. It's a club and people pay drinks or whatever. That's why if you live... In most cities, that's the comedy you go see because there's not alternative rooms that can be sustained in most places. I think it is, um, and that's a, and that's and that's part of an issue. Like we, our list is made up because we poll people. We've had like a, uh, over a hundred people. Sure. And those people are largely industry people and like indie bookers, broadly defined. We asked the comedy seller. I believe they voted. I didn't. I don't remember this year, but they usually suggests a certain amount of people. And then it is a reflection of that group of people. Now, that group of people is also, they have their own biases. They also are trying to tell the story of like what their life looks like. And they might shine lights on certain people more than other certain people. But also like, they might not, those, those people might be people who also don't know who these black comedians are. And that is a problem. And it's a thing that we try to figure out how to get around. But, but, but I do think this, this I think, we can keep on talking about this list, but I do think the question of jokes is useful because I do think you love jokes that are like jokes. Not listen, I, I, listen, you, but you I, do. That's I, your favorite thing but, is but, when a comedian but, does jokes that sound. Uh, I I love jokes, but but don't get me wrong. I come from a theater background, yes. and and I and I don't say this as give me some points, but like <laughs> I appreciated what Nanette was, sure. and I'm again I'm not saying wow look at me, but I'm saying like. I understood what it was. I understand why one of the funniest Nanette videos I've ever saw it. It was Nanette at the Apollo, and they just they just coupled like her jokes. I can I can look at that and I can Fair. go. These jokes about the color blue are pretty weak, but this overall piece and and the significance and the arc, I see it. Now, I'm not going to share my thoughts on Douglas. I'm not going to share my thoughts on Douglas. Wait, I had something to say though, which we watched together. We did watch together. We did watch together. Um, uh, the 
I feels like this feels like um, it is important for both of these worlds to exist. It's important, and and I think what it feels like is that there used to be more crossover. There no, like, there used to be. There was a time where there's less crossover. Then there was more crossover, and now there's. I don't even know when you think of an alt comedian now. Like I don't even know who you'd point to. Right. I think like. Julio Torres is a, a very yeah, yeah, but successful. That's a, yeah, yeah, I think of him as the generation before. I yeah, mean, like, I, no, I agree no, no. too. I agree. Uh, but I, I feel. I mean, I remember having a conversation with Minnie Tucker, and she was talking about how it felt like there used to be more. I mean, if you think about Mulaney, yeah. like if Mulaney was labeled like third wave alt, yeah, he also I only me. He no, <laughs> no, but no, but no he wasn't in a space. And maybe Jason knows, but I meant like literally. This is this, this is not even like a comedy nerd conversation because yeah. most people aren't. Looking at it, this detached. No, for but, sure. But, but go make your point. Uh, just, you just, just saying. Like, I feel like both are important in that. In that, in the ideal world, if there was more crossover, and if we were highlighting things from both, that you could be in an alt space and be able to push boundaries and, and things, and then you could also be in the yeah. other space and have a little pressure to get some laughs here and there. Because I feel like that is sometimes what's missing. That that it, it feels like I do think it both alone. Are limiting like they 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 that yes if, if you if you just have to kill you're gonna be a fucking hack yes. road comic but I do think and I think like where sometimes a comedy criticism can get up its own ass is where I go oh but none of these jokes were good at all or the whole act is weak and then sometimes I think people from the outside they they watch a special they go wow that fucking that was I didn't laugh it is important to be funny that is the premise of the art form of comedy you know look I think you're you're conflating a few things which is one jokes being good and a comedian being funny and as I write in the book I do not equate jokes as the art of doing comedy jokes is a pathway and i do think and i do think there's an over-reliance on jokes in white club comedians like because unlike what black, do you mean by that statement yeah what do you mean by that statement because i do think i don't mean bad i don't just mean you have to go knock knock who's like you can expand and explore sure, sure but, but I, I mean the literal the 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 <laughs> To me, what 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 you said is is like I think uh, people rely on on words too much for book writing, and I go like no, that's what it, that's what it, what it is. And I'm saying that to me, jokes br broadly defined, broadly defined is a is the pathway in which a comedian mm -hmm. communicates their funniness to the audience, and ultimately, now if they're well constructed that might help in that process but it doesn't necessarily need the construction is ultimately a pathway for an audience to get the funny energy of a comedian now if a comedian has nothing like a joke and they're just sort of talking and telling through the beats of a story and they know the rhythms or whatever that comedian can be doing a good job i am not judging ultimately just i there are some comedians while i will judge the craft of the joke because that's their value system and that is interesting of them but there are other comedians who are joke light that i think are very effectively communicating the comedic thing that they are to the audience without the need for set-up punchlines or or anything close to set-up punchlines. I think both can exist, but I do think if you're listening to, I'm trying to think of the, the best example of someone who is very funny but is not, like, I would say, I don't know, like, 
I'd, I'd have to rewatch her last special to see if it's like, but like, I think like Beth Stelling does not often do things that sound like jokes, but you can say each piece is a joke, whatever, but she's very funny. But I think she's, she is incredibly good at communicating the comedic idea of Beth Stelling to an audience. She's incredible. But, I, but I think, I think her joke writing, I think her style is just more, it reminds me that there was something when, when they did the, uh, Ricky Gervais, Louis C.K., Seinfeld, and whatever, where Ricky was saying something to Louis sure, about, uh, about I don't know if I've taken this from your book. <laughs> Am I taking this from your book? We'll see. Which, which well, is it, like, it, was, it was the idea where Ricky was like, I love what you do because it's like you're not even telling jokes. You're yeah. just And Louis was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm totally doing what Seinfeld's doing but with my own style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would say that about Beth Stelling. I think one of the reasons Beth Stelling is – is 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 uh, I've never met her, but beloved by the 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 club community too, is because there are jokes in there. It's just some people are less transparent yeah, yeah. about their their delivery. And I think that white club comedians, especially white male club comedians, are half Jewish, half Italian <laughs> white club I comedians. Exactly, but I do think are more reliant on jokes that sound like jokes. And and then are shorter, and in that in that shortness, they are limiting the audience's um, exposure to who they really are. That is my critique. That would be my critique of club comedians who only do clubs and think the idea of playing an alt room is for lazy people who just where nothing happens, which is not even true anymore. That standard doesn't exist. But I do. Th are there are there some old comedians that are lazy and are just telling broad stories without oh, look, without the oh, teeth? So many comedians are lazy. I feel sure, like almost sure. every comedian I talk to has figured out a way of working as little as possible. But now, did you say that about me, Russell? No. Do I strike a you as a comedian? No. I read this whole goddamn book. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that they are like, oh, let me figure out a process that works with my brain, and and ultimately, and then work hard in whatever that is. But a lot of those people are not like, I'm just gonna sit down, or I'm gonna like shave it down to whatever. It's gonna be. They're going to be in front of people and figure out in front of people. I, I agree. I, th I think there still is a degree of – dis. I, I can understand, and I, I understand not fully – a thing of taste. Yeah. I, I like well-constructed jokes, I think, because I've seen, I've seen a lot, and I admire the beauty of a well-constructed joke. I am going to see, hopefully, if no flights get canceled, Jesselnick at Carnegie Hall. I haven't seen much of this, and for me – that's that's my heaven. Seeing Mulaney at City Winery, those are that's the the kind of thing that I love to see. And and Maria Bamford, because I know I'm going to get a lot of yeah, jokes. Yeah, I like when, so when Jesse tells a longer story, you're like, I rather him not be doing that. No, no, no. no. Oh, thoughts. Listen, I will sing. I will sing the praises that Thoughts and Prayers is one of the greatest comedy specials of all time, and it's because of the story and the opinion that he shared on Thoughts and Prayers before it was a common trope yeah, yeah. of talking about that. I, I'm not anti-story, but I think. What I feel as someone who loves jokes and who, you know, you clearly, you're, what's, what's your podcast called? Yeah, podcast. Well, I love jokes. Sure. But, so much but, so that I, I feel like I love jokes in a way where I'm a self hating like, joke lover. I want to, <laughs> I want to, it's so easy to defend jokes because they're like around and people have such a rigid idea of comedy, which is jokes, which is like, so then they're like, because that's, so, like, saying, that's like saying people have such a rigid concept of musicals singing. Yeah, yeah that's part of the art form. Well, I, I mean, well, but I feel like I think, I think I just mean laughs, right? Or you just mean like actually make you laugh? Or do you? I mean, I know you yeah. love joke jokes. Yeah, uh, I think we both. Yeah, jokes is a broad. Look, I like I, your comedy. I've never seen you tell a fucking joke in your entire life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's a joke. <laughs> I it it becomes you know it's hard because I think they're 
people have an idea of jokes, which is the thing that they read in joke books as kids. Then they're like things that sound more like jokes comedians do. And then they're clearly comedian. You would a, a joke for a comedian is like a, a piece or whatever. And I try to define jokes broadly, right? An act out is a joke. It can be right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do think people sometimes define jokes too literally. So then I often push back on jokes. So people don't give them yeah. literally. I, I'll be like, Oh, X sitcom doesn't have any jokes. It's like, well, they do. It's just the character's behavior is the laugh moment. It's just not, they're like, and that's like a cross between a blah, 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 and a blah, blah, blah. I, I think the, the part of me that, that, that prickles is that, uh, first of all, I know, I know some comics that I would go, oh, it's just jokey, jokey yeah. that I don't like, or that it's quick, or that I'm going like, eh, this is just for the shock value, or you just, I think this was a Joel Kim Booster tweet way back in the day of like, I can't tell if something's funny on Twitter or I just connected to disparate things. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I know that. But I think I almost feel, I, I hate to use the word, almost offended because it's the craft that I love. Yeah, yeah. Where I go like, oh, you think I can't paint a picture with the tool that I've cho to f chose to fine-tune? And in fact, it's as if there's a belittling of the tool yeah. that I would argue is one of the main bricks of the thing that you love. And furthermore, that you praise of these older comedians that you praise because it was part of your childhood when you were less observant and just laughing and enjoying stuff. And now, in this medium, the people of my generation and younger it's viewed as almost a degree of like really jokes again and i th i think their their jokes are beautiful i this is why and i am a, i think i i have a i i've noticed that people are doing more jokes now things that sound like jokes than they than they had in any time in my going to see shows in the last 15 years like things that sound like jokes where they have a joke ending and i think there's a variety of reasons for it but i'll explain why i'll say it sounds old school which is as you said when i was a, the people i praised for doing it were when i was a kid which was 25 years ago if you're doing in any other art form if you're doing the art that was cutting edge 25 years ago now you would be seen as doing old art now and that's how i view it which is art which is like represents but, but, but it's not but it's 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 not it's but but again to go back to my metaphor that's like saying people who do musicals where you sing no you're still singing jokes are what are singing it's, it's, like it's a doing limerick. the same thing Don Rickles was doing I mean you well know. he's doing an iteration on it because he was doing more observations and things I'm not doing like what Seinfeld's doing well, I'm happy to compare like our our things do do they do they twist sure but I but but then at some point what in a hundred years to be an original comedian you have to just you know make noises with your nose. No, it's it's the the idea that musicals are like singing. It? I'd be like, I don't know enough. I'm not fluent enough in the progression of musical theory, a musical. Yeah. Hits, but I assume there are like tonal decisions that were different. I imagine there are decisions that like I don't know that it's still music. It's still it's sure, still. But there's look in classical music, right? There was a person who did a piece that there was no sound, right? It's John Cage, whatever the amount of minutes it is. Now, what that was he saying? This is the best piece of classical music ever. No, but that was a revolutionary thing that's very worth writing about. I think the easier example is fine art, right? The, what I write about mostly in the book. Sure. Which is in 18-whatever, painters were shown a photograph and realized they are free not to paint as representationally anymore. However, and then all of what we think of as modern art is the result of that progress and other technological advances and blah, blah. But that did not mean people stopped painting houses that looked like houses or flowers that painted like flowers. It just means that 
if you're writing from the perspective of like wanting to as as journalists are covering news broadly fine it means what is news what is pushing pushing the art form forward that is sort of what is what you're asking us to do is essentially like review just things based on sort of like craft excellence sometimes sometimes yes. sure i think the, i think there's a value and i do that of, sometimes in the book I, well you do but i also think i see you do it with things of the past and i go like there are things of the present that are not the same thing but but it is it is a it is the medium of of comedy and i think the reason i i feel it personally is because i love that medium sure. i love that medium and and I, I see a praising of originality over quality sometimes. Yeah, I think that's sometimes. Right. I don't look at these lists and go every every single person is is terrible on here. But that's my yes. I do think that praising of originality over quality is an interesting thing. That is the the problem of, and I do believe is almost exactly what Jason said, which is you. There's only so many people doing this, and they have to write this compelling enough to people who are outsiders and what is easy. And then, so it's like, what can you write compelling about that make people invested and interested in what's happening in comedy? And that means one, someone doing a great job at a thing that's been done before is a hard story to write, but two, they might not be interested in that part of it. They're more, they want to know what's going on. Sure. If there were more, if there was what you ultimately would need is a bunch of local comedy critics that review like i love that but we're moving in the direction yeah, right? no no so, I, where, yeah. so james I, and i are fighting for ultimately against an orthodoxy which says stand-up is the only art form that can't have anyone take it seriously at all so as a result we essentially have to t write about the things that make it s that convey that this is an art form now that is beyond a craft so it's harder to write about the craft part of it because we're often trying to make the case that it's an art form there are few people that write about any art. This is this is a from musical theater to theater in general to writing, like writing, writing to music criticism to film criticism. Very few people in their reviews are writing about it technically. That just does not exist. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I can't think of another critic who's writing technical reviews of like the Scorsese movie and like oh how he uses mise en scene and blah 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 and blah 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 because that's just not really how they write you can do that maybe it's deep dive but you're you are you're it, it, it's like you're asking people to you're asking like architecture critics to like see john architect who's like the best housemaker in dayton ohio and be like that is fucking a perfect house Sure, but I also think perfect houses should be praised and not taken for granted. That's a different because job. then you're gonna go, I like this house. Oh, it fell down, but it was cool while yeah. it stood up for two seconds. That's a more interesting story than another good house. I think I think what's hard is sometimes you, you look at things and you'll be like, I don't believe that someone laughed at this. And yes. that's ultimately the thing is like I I, I get but originality, you, I get things mm -hmm. and I, but I feel like I, I, that's where it is hard is sometimes you look at it and you're like I, 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 I can appreciate certain components of it. And if I was watching a theater piece where it was 
longer and there was more of a story and, and I don't know. I could maybe appreciate it more, but there is something where you're like, I do expect to laugh. And yeah. if I, that's not happening. But people are laughing at all of these people. I pretty early on realized I can't be like, that's not funny because who am I to say? Because people are laughing at this stuff. People laugh at hacky stuff that I don't like. True. People laugh true. at like jokeless, formless things that I don't understand that. And I'm like, well, I can't just be like, this is funny or not funny. Cause who am I? I have subjective taste in it. Totally. Like, it's the same thing being like, I, that song not catchy, even despite it's being a pop song that people like. I mean, like, look, I saw, to bring it back to musical theater, I saw Sweeney Todd on Broadway. Uh -huh. No person is ever killed harder than Annalie Ashford at Sweeney Todd right now. Have you guys seen it? She no. I know it very well, but who she plays? She's she plays love it. Mrs. Mrs. Love it. Okay, she sure. crushes. I like sure. Bernie Mac in the clip that I described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To this audience of people paying a she's thousand. Like, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. And she's like doing freak. She's doing the broadest Very fiscal broad. comedy you could ever imagine. Yeah. Now I go like I can't be like this is sophisticated music. It's just because this audience. Like, Jamar, sorry. I was in the timer. the battery. The battery. I just want to make sure you. I don't want the. Oh my god. Die. Oh, this is unplugged. That's okay. So okay. I. People laugh at things. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. So like I have to be judging more on than. Which is hard, which yeah. is, I think this is a, this is a, I wouldn't say a gripe, like a thing that people find surprising about anyone who writes about comedy is that we have to judge more than what we laugh at uh -huh. because we have to assume that people are laughing at it to a degree. Yeah. Otherwise, we are just being like what we had a subjective and that's too, that is, to my opinion, too biased as a thing to be judging things on. Right, because like, who? What are my tastes? I have, I have, a, I'm a 38 year old guy with my certain background, right? Yeah. Like, I can't be like, well, these 10 people that make me laugh the most are the funniest comedians. It, it just be wrong, sure. right? So we have to think of, we have to create new value systems, and in hope that my goal and the goal of the book, the goal of everything I do, is that people go to comedy shows and don't have any expectation for what the comedian can do. That's my number one goal, which then frees the comedian up to be any type of comedian that can be literally just reading one-liners like they're sure. doing Henny Yugman one-liners or they can be Gerard Carmichael and it's just sort of a vibe you're in for an hour. Sure. Right? I can name names even though I love Gerard Carmichael just because Gerard is because he's so charismatic and because people let him just sit and do whatever he wants he can essentially push the art forward, forward sure. well, just well, so then the when it's as big as palette as possible and then audience have no expectation of what they're going in for. Then they are they are as open as and then the comedian can be open and then everyone can be create a more beautiful culture of being sure to a degree. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. 
What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. But I, but I just, I, this, and then we can, I, I do want to, you know, we, we, poor people who don't like, so what I, some, sometimes what I love with, with comedy and, and the thing that I take pride in, like as, as a road comic, yeah. who, who I think like, and I think road comics often can feel like, God, does anyone understand this? When, when my very conservative stepfather, uh, I put on Anthony Jeselnik and, uh, you know, he's, he's, his jokes aren't, certainly aren't, uh. They're they're edgy. They're they're edgy in a way that a conservative might might come to gripes with. Yes. And to watch my stepfather go like <laughs> is really special. Yeah. And I think what happens when when it becomes too insular and and people and, and people increasingly let let go. People get too far over the point of like. Uh, Oh well, just because it's not funny for me doesn't mean it's not funny. Then people get to a place where it's like, well, then are we allowed to? Can you look at anything yeah, and say anything? And I go like, then it becomes too far. Where suddenly I hear, I see things that I'm like, but this isn't, this isn't funny. And you feel crazy. Yeah, you feel a degree of like, am I crazy? Am I crazy? I don't, I don't see this as funny. And and people will go. I just remember there was one particular show uh, that I won't say. And a, a friend of mine said, well, it, it, it's, yeah, it's not funny, but it wasn't made for us. Mm. And I thought in a way that was so condescend. Sure. I, I understand, like, where it came from. And, and it was also, it was, it was two white people talking about a non-white person performer. Sure. And there was a degree of, like, it wasn't made for us. And I wanted to be like, I think that's condescending. I think, in fact, this thing is not of a high quality and in fact to 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 pretend like this it's not capable of that yeah, yeah. you're actually letting someone off the hook and furthermore you're allowing people to tune into the thing and they go oh that's not funny oh all these fucking liberal elite fucking motherfucker and i'm like there is quality out there but but you once you let go of the word you can't say nothing's not funny it becomes very hard it is this this feeling you have is very is a frustration that i believe and as a frustration many artists of many art forms have to reckon with mm -hmm. and it's it's hard like chefs right it's like there was a french cook the value systems of french cooking were the dominant value systems for what good cooking was for a very long time then people push back upon those orthodoxies what were the what like what were they that they certain sort of precision like uh -huh. a, a, a fanciness using like richness of sauces like it definitely was like heavied on um Fat, higher fat, but l less dynamic range of cooking because that is more cerebral or whatever, right? So then people started praising food of different ranges, right? It's like, oh, Thai food is definitely has a wider dynamic range than French food. And then you go like, yeah, but it's less subtle. And it's like, well, that's not the value system of that thing. And then, then their uh -huh. brain breaks, right? So then you have to create new ways of doing it or you have to essentially just judge the art based on the value system that seemingly it has. And that is a difficult thing. And, I, and it is extremely abstract, which is why that's why critics do it and comedians don't do it, because we like that. We like being in an abstract place of how, do we, how can we reckon with this thing when there is not an agreed-upon idea of taste? Because when you do try to create an agreed-upon idea of taste, it becomes so – like that is like film has this problem where there's this canon of what good is that it's essentially like 99 movies directed by white guys. That mm -hmm. so that is like what good is, 
However, that it becomes so biased and so rigid that it then finds a way of being exclusive. It's hard. I do, and I think it's particularly hard now because of how people get comedy, which is through social media. So then they're only seeing comedy that appeals to specifically their taste. So then it's harder. And I do agree, and I do, one of my goals going forward after I wrote this book was like, now I need to figure out, can we figure out a way to communicate what good is to people? I have an idea of a very, very ambitious project, which I can't talk about now because I have, it's way too early. But part of the goal is to be like, can we agree that this is what good looks like? Because that is not we were. Have you emailed me about this yet? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's it. It's it's it is a. It's a 2025 project, but it's going to be sure. Sure, sure. Th That's how long it's going to be, and I'll tell you what it is afterward. But the goal of it is in, in the time of the internet where people are truly they're like, oh, my favorite comedian is this person. Do you know? Him? And the people are like, I have no idea what this is, and I have no context for them, and they're like. It just seems annoying. Like, if you watch a comedian without any of the context of their act, you'll be like, they're not even doing comedy anymore. They're just, like, sure. making funny faces. Like, but the audiences love those faces, right? Sure. Like, there's a terrible version of you who doesn't write the jokes, who yeah. just does the expressions, and there yeah. might be part of your audience. So my first year in <laughs> will be like, comedy. That's my guy. And sure. And sometimes, sometimes with some of these audiences, it's more about familiarity than great comedy. They just want to see their guy. Yeah. And I don't, that's not, to me, that's not a perversion of the art form because to me, ultimately, the feeling of comedy is not so far removed from the feeling you get when you're with your friends. And you're not going to your friends because my friend specifically writes hard jokes. You're like, my friend's funny. But if you looked at the script that he said, it's not like good jokes. They're just sort of his vibe that is sure. So, so I guess my question for you would be, I, and I haven't seen your most recent stuff, but I have been up to date. From It'll be on Netflix November 28th. Yeah, and I can't wait to see <laughs> Just it. Just kidding. But, but I, I want to see it, but it's like, do you... Is there a length of joke that you feel will be too long for you? Like, could you go up and be like, I'm, I'm going to do 50 minutes just on this one thing? At no, the I mean, my at least my dad's heart surgery, I'm still... Uh, the whole Hassan Minaj thing made me want to kind of add something to the end of it. But <laughs> but no, it's, it's like a six, seven-minute story. But my... Uh, I I have a lot of I, I move through it yeah, through yeah. jokes. I'm a big I think I like later in comedy I like fell in love with like like the Jeffsonics of the world. And so as I was constructing that story, I said, Can I make these greater points? But like yep. fucking every punchline, can it be a level that is really great and construct something bigger? Yeah. So so yeah. I'm definitely a joke. I'm a joke emphasis person. Also, it's partly how I write. I yeah. write everything down. I, yeah. I, because I think I was a playwriting, acting person first. So that informs how I ultimately came to write it. And I think as I get, I have some other bits that you know. Now that I'm doing longer time, it's it's different. Do you feel? Do you ever feel scared, or when you're doing material, or do you feel like the jokes make you, f f or prevent you from being as vulnerable? Oh, this absolutely, is, Abs absolutely, but. That because that will be the critique of it, and I'm not, that, and I'm just asking you because I didn't. Sure. No, 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 and I, and I don't, I don't mind that critique, but I, I, I would say that's partially the reality of like, I'm like, well, let me get to a place where I have, where, I trust. I'm also delivering for audiences yep. that don't know me, yep. and I'm there. I also think sometimes comedians lose sight of, there's some degree of like, hey, these people. Yeah. You think about wow, they hired a babysitter. And I'm going to come out there and mm. I'm going to – and so I have some stories that I talk through, of course. But then I work on those stories and I try to have some hard fucking jokes in there yeah. to keep it 
going. But at the service of a greater point, I don't think I'm just making jokes for the sake of jokes, which no. I do think some yeah, unions yeah. do, and I do think it's exhausting. Well, we let, let's let's because uh, I, I feel like this is what I would give to any joke sort of people, which is at some point the audience there and you will want not the joke. There'll be a moment in that story, in any story, right, where they don't want they want to feel. You not, will know who I am from my jokes. Got it. For sure. Good. I mean, do you think? Yeah. I. Um, it's hard to to talk about everything without just naming <laughs> exact yeah. things, and which we can't do, and we don't, we shouldn't do. So it, it's hard to. I mean, yeah, I'm free to. to, so it's, to like, use, it's like I want to bring up. It's hard to use like, examples <laughs> of things without you know because you don't want to be. Yeah, it's very. It's it's it's. It's tough. It's tough. I, I think like I'm more. I'm shifting more to a place where I'm like, all right. I have to. If I say something on this podcast, people, some people will hear. Yeah. And I got to deal with that, because comedy, you just, you just run into all of them. Yeah. I mean, I made, I made a Hassan Minaj joke, and I just thought like, I'll, I'll run into him soon. Yeah, he's around. Yeah, I mean, it's that. It's hard because that then like. I don't think it'll affect it because so many people are doing one-person shows now, and I, I think it's beyond him now. It like expanded out of nowhere. No one was doing one-person shows f- seven years ago, and I think I think so frustrating for me is I I remember I got a letter with anthrax in it, and I accidentally spilled it on my daughter, and I didn't talk about that because I thought, well, it happened to him too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turns out it didn't, and he he got the glory for it. Yeah. Let's move on to our next segment. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. I I. We we should we should power through these. I'll uh, do it quick. This yeah, is gotta stop. I don't and Russell, you don't have to weigh in on this because uh, I know I, uh, these SNL cold opens. We we got to reshift from post Trump era. Yeah, I don't need it to cover everything that happened. I there is there is nothing funny about the Speaker of the House thing. It is just a bunch of incompet- incompetent idiots uh, just trying to to to. Get the thing they they want in there. Yeah. I I it feels like a checklist. I think I could print out the top 100 things on, that trended on Twitter that that week, and none of the jokes are. I, I just want you to take a swing. I just want you to take a swing on some weird sketch. I always the one sketch I always think of, and maybe you quoting your book, the Will Ferrell American uh, uh, flag on his. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm just quoting your book at this point, but but it was the <laughs> this how you know I read it. Uh, it was post. Oh it? yeah. Post it was the second post episode 9/11. back after 9/11. Oh God, yeah. Damn, that's yeah. so old. But I, I remember watching it, and it's basically Will Smith is so patriotic. Will Ferrell. He's where a uh, Will Ferrell. Oh <laughs> Jesus, Will Smith. <laughs> also in the book. Uh, Will Ferrell <laughs> is so patriotic. He's wearing uh, an American. Flag thong essentially, and and that's the joke. And the and the, the funny thing is, this person in the office yeah. doing this thing, yeah. And it's like, man, and that just is... having a simple thing that doesn't involve thirty-eight people. It feels like that. Yes, that, I don't know when that shift happened where we had to cover everything and and have everyone. And I think Trump did so many things. It felt like if you didn't address it, you were like literally not. Uh, talking about the thing everyone wanted to hear. I, about. This is my defense, and I defend SNL in this perspective in the book. But and they've been doing it. This, they're my I, I, far my least favorite part of the show. They always have been because it always is kind of just like a thing that happened this week. Here's yeah, yeah. a reflection of it. I think of the cold opens as a loss leader. Like essentially, like we have to do that to prove the shows happened this week. It is tr- it is so silly. It is 
Because that is not a comedy decision. It's going to hurt those reruns. I'll tell you that. There is a degree but, but of like I, these reruns I, are going to feel. Lauren cuts stuff out reruns if he feels like it doesn't age. He's going to cut I, all the cold but opens. I, I think I, that the Will Ferrell time. one does that too. But that was a cold open. It's, that episode oh, was not a cold no, open. Oh, that I was not saying... a cold open? Oh. Oh, I thought it was a cold See. open. Oh, that was it. In the cold open that week was like freaking Ashcroft doing some whatever. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah. It was like Daryl Hammond doing some impression of someone, maybe. George Bush. See, I think it would be radical, though, to do something simpler like that. The only time they do that, sometimes they'll do sports cold opens, and they tend to be a bit better. Uh -huh. But so often, I don't know when it started, but, like, for a really long time, they like to open with news to be like, this show's this yes, week. Yes, yeah. And it's not unlike why a lot of late-night shows start with a 10-minute monologue that's just yeah. recapping the news. It is just to be like, this is this, this is today. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Now, today is over, and we're being a show. It yeah. is so silly, but, like, Look, it, it, that's Lauren figured out a formula that some reason works. Yeah. And there are those people still who are like, something happens in the news and like, can't wait for SNL this week. Yes. I have never met True. that person in, in person, but I see them on Twitter. True. And I think their taste in comedy is weird, but yeah. sure. That's that. So, but I get it. They, why, why not make them better? Oh, there's an SNL tweet that was up there. Um, do you have a this got to stop? We only have a little bit of time. Yes, I can do one. I can do a comedy one, but it might. Let me do a comedy one. You can okay. see if it's going to be too long. This has got to stop. If the audience isn't laughing at you, you don't tell them they're a bad audience. Agreed. I agree. Hundred percent. Agree. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Don't. Yeah. The, it's, it's, it's 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 almost every show you go to, and you're like, uh, stop, stop. It can't be happening this often. It can't be that. It it no. doesn't help anything, and I know why you want to do it because. It's your brain can't process that you're doing it's just like but it it one ruins the show kind of for every comedian afterwards. Yes, yes. Now they're in their head is like we're an audience and we're doing a bad job. Yes. And it's like you 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 did the wrong combo to unlock whatever. I do think they're the only the only part of it that I'll defend is that like let's say you say something that's dark that the audience like really just goes like I do think there's a, an allowance to address, like, oh, a little, little too spicy. Yeah. Like, it gotta but be, gotta, but it's gotta be at least like we're still gonna have fun. Yes, as opposed, yeah, but I think I think as a comedian, you do feel a need. You do have to acknowledge sometimes yes, what happened. Mm -hmm. But there's a different scene, like, oh, like you know, some once in a while, I'll be like. Oh, so the audience brought some morality to the basement on McDougal Street on a Tuesday at a like, but it but should be another go, joke. Like, yeah, yeah. You're you're bad. That's yes. Yes, I I remember. It's just like one of the last times I went to a comedy cellar. Someone made a joke about a cab driver smelled bad, and the audience didn't laugh. When did you? When did you <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the audience didn't laugh because it's like. You know, like that. Possibly, you just saw a bad show at it's the possible. cellar. I Wait, I feel like truthfully, let me tell you, I feel like I saw the same comic at one of the recent shows when we, I went to see you before. I feel like it was the same joke. It's it, probably the same I'm guy. Trying that's to been get doing him back to the cellar. <laughs> it's probably the same guy that's been doing. I remember because after the show, you said, "Oh my god, that one comedian with the smelly yeah, cab driver bit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, he, and that comedian <laughs> then attacked the audience for the rest of the set, and it's like you now, first letter, of what. The name. No idea. No oh, idea. Okay. Well, no. I'll say who it was afterwards. But okay. And then it's like you both join the Patreon. We'll tell you <laughs> ruin that that ten minutes of the audience's time. You also like completely lost your opportunity to like do a good set because you're now so yes. Sure. It's just like remove that idea unless you're going to make a bit out of it, which yeah. is okay. And of I course. think because then you can do if you do a good job, you can then rearrange. It's like oh, it's like you do a type of joke. It's too edgy for the audience. 
you're like, that's where they are right now. Yeah. Then you can then you can use it as sort of a trial balloon. That's good. There, there was a comic from LOL that did like a Brooklyn show. Got booked. Right, like it was like a comic work at LOL. Booked him on a book show. You never would have booked yeah. this comic on a show outside LOL. And they were bombing. And then they started going to a bit where they did like an Arabic accent. Oh and it was God. to watch it. To watch it from afar oh was was very funny. To witness that that's that their mind was like. I'll go this direction. Yeah, I, the, incredible. Yeah, the worst was I. I remember it. I think it was at when Hannibal used to have his show. A, a, a very established, good, comedy seller comedian didn't realize he was bombing because he was so on autopilot. And I'm like, that's the worst case scenario where it's just like he's doing it, and he because he always kills. He's like, and you're like, oh, the audience is like, we don't even know what this stuff is, and that is the fear. It's when the audience, when the comedian doesn't even know they're bombing, is yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a very funny thing. Um, let's just do it. Bless me real quick. We have we have a pitch meeting with. Uh, speaking of speaking of, <laughs> <laughs> we are sketching as a pitch meeting come up. Is there a blessing? Is it something you're grateful for? I like video podcasts. I think it's good. I think more people should do it. It's because who but, was yeah. doing it in the past made the world of video podcasts only a one. Uh, uh, it was like the only video podcasts were for like the worst parts of like right wing comedy fans. Uh huh. Yeah. So now that we have a more uh, wide palette, I think it's good uh, that now maybe like a fifteen year old boy can be like, oh, maybe like I don't have to hate everyone other Look, than other fifteen year old boys. I'm glad you like maybe something you. that I'm creating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, this is coming. Oh, you have one? Yeah. Real Please. Oh, real quick. Um. Uh. You know, oh, the quality of, of salad places has, has gone down. <laughs> uh, sweet green, just salad. All the all the ones that yeah, w- yeah, yeah. W- at one point were the decline of sweet green were, has been tough, and they've all gone down. But the woman today, I I, I just had it. I popped into a sweet green or a just salad, and um, God, she did a really good job. I mean, it <laughs> was like just salad. At a just salad. At a just salad. At, she. It was like a re- everything was mixed well. She like really diced up the avocado, so it was like it was. The, sometimes you do it, and they just throw that avocado yeah. in. It's, so, anyways, that woman. I. I just. It. it it's Pretty been a different. long time. Twenty five percent. Hey. Because I was like, I was for you. I mean, I could tell. You know, when you get it, she handed it, and you're like, that looks amazing, and it was. And I'm thankful for her. All right, just salad sponsors, please. Uh, mine. I had a great uh, Shabbos meal with Tova's friend Michelle in Chicago. Uh, uh, it, we're running late, and and as I'm always reminded, Tova's like, we can't be late because we can't text them that we're late. Yes. And uh, my bad, Tova. But uh, uh, Michelle, <laughs> what an incredible meal! It was astounding. The leftovers were fantastic. This is coming out uh, November 21st. What do you want to plug? I have a book. It's called Comedy Book. It looks somewhat like this. I'll hold it to camera. Yes. It's about how comedy functions as an art form and functions as part of our society. I read about a lot of comedians with lots of different styles and different amounts of laps per minute, and that's okay. <laughs> Russell, what do you want to plug? Uh, nothing, but uh, follow me on Instagram, at Russell J. Daniels, and you can see me at Gutenberg. Well, you can't see me, but I am in Gutenberg on Broadway, uh, but I'm backstage. Uh, he's in the back with the voodoo doll of Josh Gad. <laughs> uh, uh, guys, I'm at DC Comedy Loft November 24th and 25th. It's four shows. This is my homecoming weekend. Check it out. And then Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club, December 1st, December 2nd. Yes, that's a place. Ariel Elias got the beer can thrown at her. Yes, I am returning to it because I am pathetic. Uh, and uh, 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 yeah, remember, guys, what does funny even mean? <laughs> this is the downside. One, two, three. Downside. You're listening to The Downside. The Downside. With John Marco Cerezi.